again, everyone, and welcome to episode 88 of Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three different generations, three red-hot takes on sports and pop culture. I'm Ted Patel of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 The Castle. On the phone is Matt Burns of ESPN in Charlotte, North Carolina, and Jared Patel is also on the phone. He's of Grand Valley State University and Fox 17 TV in Grand Rapids. Our partners include Main Street Pizza with locations throughout mid-Michigan, the Corona Connection, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Sheridan Auction Service, Card Service Michiana, and Promec Engineering Services. Thanks also to our website network teammates, Sports Radio Detroit, and our radio home, Z92.5 The Castle. Well, I'll tell you what, we got a lot to get into. We're going to break down the state of Wolverine football. Michigan State moves into the top 25, and Coach Mark D'Antonio passes Duffy Doherty, and the Lions stay undefeated. How about that? We're going to get it all rolling right after these important messages. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your large or small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of three-point podcast located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. 85, 90, 95, 100. Looking for items to buy or sell? Look no further than SheridanAuctionService.com. We will solve your problem. Bring Sheridan Realty and auction your items and we will market them all over the country and get them sold. If you are looking to buy items, we can help with that too. Call today, 989-720-SELL. It's fast, easy, and we get results. SheridanAuctionService.com. Buy or sell, we'll get it done for you. Call 989-720-SELL. You'll do better with Sheridan. All right, guys. You know, uh, we're recording a little later than normal because of different schedules. But, uh, you know, last weekend we got to get into just a little bit. And uh, before we get into Michigan, Michigan State, uh, I just, again, want to send a big shout-out to Jason Beldiga and his staff over at Corona High School putting on the very first inaugural Athletic Hall of Fame ceremony weekend. Uh, it was it was very cool. And I, by the way, Jared, I must say, I know it went. It was appreciated by your dad. It was good to see you there. You were out there golfing, but you stuck around for the dinner and uh, saw your dad's high school basketball team honored. It was it was pretty cool, wasn't it? It, it was a really cool event. Uh, a couple things kind of put a damper on it. One, I played absolutely atrocious at golf. Our team shot one under as a four man scramble team. That's pretty bad. Which, if you know anything about golf, <laughs> that's pretty damn bad the, the winning team shot 17 under just for reference um and then about midway through the luncheon we, we found out that michigan was just getting absolutely obliterated by wisconsin but other than that it was just a world-class uh event i loved it yeah it was, it was cool to see all the old timers there and uh, matt we got a nice shout out from them three-point podcast you know we did step up and did interviews with everybody and uh you know we were in the program we got a shout out uh from the mc it, it was cool to be a part of i'm glad we were able to do that and it, it may be an annual special that we do every year something i don't understand why is it every banquet and every team like meeting why does the mic never ever work yeah am i the only one that's ever but that's just the thing the mic never works you know at that team banquet at 
just any sort of get together that's not like corporate ran, the mic never works. It does happen quite a bit, you know. It was going in and out, and it it can be a bit annoying, but uh, they made it through. They made it through. That's cool to hear, though. That you know the inaugural event went went well, and people showed up and had a good time. Yeah. One other, just one other kind of, and this is my only complaint, really, other than the mic, I guess. The deluxe barbecue food. <laughs> that we were promised was basically something that Ted would whip up on his grill. I mean, it was like the processed like cheeseburgers that you buy in like a pack, about 25 of them, hot dogs, not even like home fries, just potato chips and like a salad bar. It was good food. Like it wasn't too ritzy, which I was worried about it being, but it was anything but ritzy. It was something that you would whip up in the back of your garage. Now I gotta, I gotta back up for one second. Okay. You're, you're right about the food. And, uh, but you're saying that, 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 that's on equal level to my barbecue grilling. Is that what you're really saying? Well, if, if it's you that actually cooks it and not, you know, your <laughs> son-in-law, but it was, so you're saying that you were better or you were worse? No, I was better. I'm better. Sick. I'm better. <laughs> you're t- well, you're saying, trying to say, I, I pass out processed burger for you guys when you come over. Is that what you're saying? I shouldn't say much because actually that's what my family does okay that's okay all we, that's all we <laughs> that's a different story burgers. you threw uncle ted in the mix there i just wanted to clarify that don't you remember last time we had shish kebab come on i was gonna say from from what i've heard sounds like ted uh kind of steps his game up when it comes to the grill yeah that was kind of a low blow that really was okay you're also the same guy who basically ever after every time we record and every Friday night, you run to McDonald's on the way home. <laughs> again, so, well, again, you're, very false. I don't know fa- if you're, you're exactly like the master chef. That is so idea. false. Where are you coming up with <laughs> these lies? <laughs> That's what I said. You told me that. You'll usually stop by for a small fry. That's what you always say. Oh, my. That was a long time. That was when I was still doing the sports for him, man. Not anymore. It's right home to uh, 2020 or Dateline. <laughs> it's, not, it's not McDonald's anymore. It's Culver's. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. The uh, gourmet fast food in our area. Well, that's enough of our nonsense. Let's let's hear what Matt's weekend uh, was like. I know you had kind of a whirlwind trip to Michigan, didn't you? Yeah, so I kind of made a last-minute trip back to Michigan. I have one of my best friends, uh, a Corona alum, also Zach Marble. He lives in South Korea now. He comes back, you know, every couple of years or whatever for a long stretch. So he, he's in town, and then my parents just sold my childhood home, and, you know, that's a whole, like, process going on. So I wanted to make it back. To see Zach, see my buddy, we went to Grand Rapids and got together with a bunch of friends. And then we like, I hung out with the family at my parents' house and stuff. So just kind of a quick trip back to Michigan. But it was it was kind of crazy because uh, you know it was a little bit last minute, so flights were a little limited. I was flying into Flint, so it's already a little limited flying into Flint. And you know I didn't want to pay a fortune, so the best flight, the best option was leaving on Saturday at noon and landing at two in flint so obviously michigan kicked off at noon so i was contemplating buying the wi-fi on the flight listening or you know watching or just enjoying my flight and having a nice surprise when i landed to flint and opened my phone up to see the score well the flight attendant let us know that no wi-fi on the flight so that kind of made my mind up right there because i think i was about to pay for the wi-fi once once kickoff was coming around i was you know wanting to see the game but honestly, like through, during the flight, I was thinking, like, you know, we're going to land, and I feel like it's going to be a 14 to 10, 17 to 10. I wasn't expecting anything crazy. Last play I saw before we took off was Wisconsin when it was up 7 0, and Ronnie Bell had caught that pass for the 68 yard, you know, the bomb mm-hmm. down the sideline. Michigan was threatening to score. That's the last play I saw before we took off. So I'm kind of feeling a little good. I'm like, cool, Michigan's about to punch it in and tie it up. We land, 
And, you know, I'm kind of a little nervous. Like, what am I about to see? When I turn my phone off airplane mode, starts blowing up. 70 text messages come through from friends, from other people. The first text I, like, open and read is from a buddy that I work with up in uh, Bristol. Well, he works up in Bristol at ESPN. His text said, do not check the score with the skull and bones emoji. <laughs> oh, God, here we go. I open up a group text I have with a bunch of buddies, all Michigan fans, and the first thing I saw was nothing I can repeat on this podcast anyway. And I was just like, oh, man, what am I about to see? Open up the app to see the score and see 28-0 at halftime. And I was just like, what the hell just happened? I mean, like, I, I couldn't even believe it. I, I did not expect a blowout either way. Like, I didn't think it'd be a Michigan blowout and I didn't expect to see a Wisconsin blowout, especially, like I said, the last play I saw, Michigan was threatening to score. And I was like, how do we not even get a field goal out of that? That was just crazy. I mean, you guys got the wall. You guys were busy, I guess, at the golf scramble. So maybe it was good that you weren't watching it either. But, man, well, that was just – I don't know. I, I didn't expect it. I know, Jared, you've already – punted on Michigan probably even more so now but I didn't expect to see that game on Saturday yeah I definitely want to hear Jared's take here in just a second but I'll tell you what I was doing I didn't go to the scramble I took my dad to the dinner itself so that was at two o'clock so I was there and watched what happened after that play first of all it was good that you got on the plane first or you would have had to use the barf bag there's no doubt about it (laughs) I mean Michigan puts in their fullback defensive lineman whatever you want to call that dude and he fumbles the ball and they drive it right back down the field. And then it was just, it was completely a massacre from that point. When I left home, it was 21 to nothing. And you can see they were done. So, you know, the old DVR guy here, yeah, I DVR'd it all right. But when I got home, I immediately hit the X. It was gone. You know, I was keeping up to date on what was happening. So it, it was about a, as bad an ass kicking that you could ever see, especially coming off a, a bye week. I, I still have to kind of comprehend what went on. I'm sure our youngster, Jared, might have a few thoughts. So why don't you fire away, J-Rod? Uh, just a couple of uh, notes on Matt's story. So first off, the, when he got on the plane and they told him that he didn't have Wi-Fi, if Ted was in that situation, him without TV for a few hours, he probably <laughs> would have got off the flight right then and there and went home. That's fair. Uh, number two, and this is kind of like an inside joke, but the picture of you and your buddies, Matt, I kind of had like the inside joke when I saw it, like, oh, like it must be like a Sigma Pi, like get the reunion or something. It did, it did uh, kind of look like a fraternity like reunion. That's or what something. I like, thought it was. We, we joked about it, all of us in our like mid-30s beards. You know, like sitting at a brewery. Yeah, we did kind of laugh at that photo, too. This game, I mean, my God, very similar uh, sort of thing, Matt, where I got out of golfing and checked my phone, and you just, just, you almost couldn't believe it. Even even me, who had punted on this team after watching Middle Tennessee State's quarterback look like Doug Flutie against us, even me, who punted on the season then, was still shocked. Because it's Wisconsin. I mean, yeah, Wisconsin looks really good against Michigan, but we've always kind of been able to handle Wisconsin. It was embarrassing. And the thing, and it's I was going through and checking the stats when it was halftime, 17-2 first downs for Wisconsin. But the thing that just, like, really bothered me about this, subbing in Ben Mason, what pisses me off about that move is that you know that we had the whole bye week to craft up this game plan, and you know the first few plays are scripted. So they made sure to script a Ben Mason read option and you knew that like in the coaches room they're like oh we're gonna send a message like he's gonna he's gonna crack some skulls ben mason is gonna send a message here on this play and he just fumbles the game away and and the the team just had no fight 
no heart. You you fumble once, and Wisconsin goes basically the whole length of the field and scores, and then we have no no answer when we know exactly what they're going to do, which is basically run the ball every single play with a guy named Jonathan Taylor. He's a good running back, but his name's Jonathan. I mean, yeah. there's just something about that name that's just kind of weird. Well, he's definitely Jonathan. definitely a good running back. He's a good running back, but it's just the way that Paul Christ basically just Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh. What happened to our identity? Like, did we force Jim Harbaugh to do this by, you know, telling him to go back, run the spread, like, stop doing what you do? Because I don't know about you guys, I would rather take losing to Ohio State every year if it meant we would beat Wisconsin, not get ran off the field by Wisconsin. And that's what happens when we basically, us, we should take blame. We forced Harbaugh to do this stupid spread offense, this gimmick offense, which he clearly has no idea how to run. It looks like a Madden offense. Yeah, but you call it a gimmick offense, they, but they aren't really running it right. I mean, you see the big-time schools like Alabama and others, they run it. Michigan hasn't. They, it seems to me like they didn't uh, They didn't buy in completely to do that. I mean, that, obviously with Mason in the game at that stage of the game and then coughing it up, I mean, what part of that says spread? Yeah, that, that's what seems kind of weird. And obviously I didn't watch every single play of the game, but just seeing what I did and then from the previous two games, it does seem like there's not really an identity to the offense. It was supposed to be, yeah, this, yo, Josh Gaddis bringing in this spread, right? Right. And uh, it doesn't seem like, what, two games ago, Zach Charbonnet's carrying it 33 times. Right. Then all of a sudden, yeah, Ben Mason comes in on that opening drive. And, yeah, it almost seems like I know Josh Gaddis, first time calling plays, so, you know, you got there's an adjustment there. He's got to learn. But it seems like almost like gun-shy, or maybe he – like the shadow of Harbaugh is over him, so he's trying to like do things to make Harbaugh happy, even though he is like the primary play caller, Gaddis. So, yeah, it just seems like there's no identity. I don't know. And then, you know, shuffling the quarterbacks around, and then the quarterbacks are getting injured, and now like the third string quarterback might be starting this weekend. So, oh, it, it just seems like it. It seems like there's no identity. I guess kind of like what you said right now. How about uh, the guy who you guys said was going to be the next Earl Campbell? Zach Charbonnet. Two carries, six yards. The guy you guys are saying was an elite back. But the thing well, that, that, I don't that, get, that I wonder, you know, I don't know hurt. if you guys saw all last week, there was a bunch of, like, rumor mill going on that he was going to have knee surgery. Oh. And, you know, they, like, Michigan said that wasn't true. But then, obviously, something must be up if he goes from 33 carries two weeks ago to two carries. There, there must be something. There. I, I got to think that his knee is a little banged up or something. Yeah, I don't think that was the skill level. There's something going on. There's right. something, something we don't know about. The thing that I don't understand, why is the offense taking on the flag? Since exactly. Ohio State last year, Don Brown is is over is over the hill. I don't know if it's like Alzheimer's starting to sink in in his brain, but he just has no idea what he's doing anymore. Well, lay it out. I mean, they give up 60 to Ohio State. I What they give up in the bowl game, 40-something? Yeah, 42 or and Then 35 like to Wisconsin? What? And then they had absolutely no effort in that game against Wisconsin. I mean, it, it was ridiculous. It was like a complete embarrassment. I, I don't remember the last time Michigan – had a had just a no effort game. That that's about as bad as I remember. You know, and they've had a few in in the years past, but not very often. And that was just a complete egg. And I guess the big question is, and I, I agree with you, Jared. What the hell happened to Don Brown in that vaunted defense? But what what now is Michigan's future? You know, you're already hearing the people talk about that's it for Harbaugh. And I think I think it is a gut check time for Harbaugh. And this season isn't 
completely gone. But for anybody that thinks they're going to go out and beat Ohio State in that last game, man, I don't think too many people are thinking that anymore. I mean, that's, that's kind of where we're at right now. I mean, obviously everyone's talking right now in the media about, you know, a lot of people are saying fire Harbaugh. I would be surprised if, if Jared, you're not already on that side of, like, it's time to move on, bring Brady Hoke back. Like, <laughs> you know, bring him should... Wink, wink. No, right. bring him back. And, you know, like, my thing is, is why does it have to be so extreme? Like, why why do you have to be so extreme one way or the other? Why does it have to be Harbaugh's done, he's overrated, he's overpaid, he's the worst coach in the Big Ten, you know, so extreme that way. Or if you don't have that take, you're like a complete fanboy, you're drinking the Michigan Kool-Aid, you've got your amazing blue sunglasses on and you can't see through them clearly. Like, why does it have to be so extreme one way or the other? Why can't you kind of be down the middle and clearly seeing that this isn't what we wanted when we brought Harbaugh in? He hasn't been able to beat the ranked teams on the road. He hasn't won as, as an underdog, all those stats that everyone knows. But also, like, pumping the brakes and, and saying, like, hey, he's 40 and 15. The big thing he hasn't been able to do are some of those stats, but then getting over the Ohio State hump. Like, things could be a lot worse. Now, yes, things could be a lot better, too. But, like, people that are sitting here saying, like, fire Harbaugh, he's terrible, he's overpaid, this isn't what we wanted when he came in. I feel like, like kind of like Jared said, the fan base, or I don't know if it's administration, what what's going on, like, I wonder if he's being pushed in so many different directions, and it's it's kind of messing with him. Because then you see people saying, like, we want the hardball back that was throwing his headset down, throwing his papers down, screaming at the officials, the passion and everything. But it was like, yeah, but when he was doing that, people were calling him a crybaby. People were saying he wasn't representing Michigan. People were saying, you know, he wasn't a Michigan man, but now they want it back. I feel, I feel like people just, like, will not like anything Harbaugh does, no matter what. Here's the truth of it. I don't think Arbaugh should be fired because I don't think we can really truthfully get anyone that's a better coach than him. Now, that's pretty incredible to say when you're losing to Wisconsin 35 a squad. I think you could pretty much throw anyone into coach, any Division One coach, and they wouldn't lose to Wisconsin 35-0. Well, we didn't lose 35-0. No, it was 35-14. Right. Jim Harbaugh lost any sort of name, you know, bump that he had, any sort of hype that he had when he came into Michigan. Remember, we could, it's, I honestly felt like when he first came into Michigan – that he could take a 500 team, and because of how good he was as a coach, he could have them win nine or ten games. I believe the exact opposite now. I don't believe in his coaching ability anymore. All the like hype that Harbaugh had when he first came into Michigan, everyone wanting to go there, all over social media, we're jump man, we're the only jump man team. It's all gone. So it's like if we couldn't do it within these first five years, I really don't think we're going to be able to do it anytime soon. There's a lot of people that uh, that agree with you, Jared. And I think if you would have asked me Saturday night or Sunday, I would have been a lot more livid. I've had a chance just to sit back a little bit. I'm kind of, uh, I, I hate to say I'm back in the middle a little bit, but the one thing that Harbaugh has to clean up, yeah, he's 40 and 15 at Michigan. Matt kind of glossed over it a little bit, and these stats are really completely staggering, and, and they have to clean this up or Harbaugh does have to go. You cannot be... 1-9 against top 10 opponents. You cannot be 0-7 as an underdog, and you certainly cannot be whitewashed against Ohio State. you got to figure out a way to be a 10- or 11-win program. you got to beat Michigan State at least 50% of the time, and ideally 2 out of 3. And then you got to split with Ohio State. you got to get back to that level. Is Harbaugh the guy? 
Uh, I say you still roll with him because you got to roll out this season. And you know, you know what? This guy, he is a true pro. I mean, he played NFL football at a high level. He played for Bo. He played for Mike Ditka. He has got to still have that fire in the belly somewhere, and he has to realize, you know what? We got to get our crap together, and it's got to happen now. Now, he has no bye week to prepare, but he does have Rutgers coming in. He's banged up, but you don't think that the talks this week was, guys, you're putting on the legendary maize and blue uniforms, and you put that piece of crap out there? You better gut check yourselves, and I think this is the time the players have to do it too. I'm with you. And, then, you know, that's the thing, too, is you, you can definitely, there are definitely times and signs that you can see that there's problems with the coaching, you know, whatever team you're looking at. You know, you can see the problems with the coaching. But at some point it does come down down to the players executing. Like Josh Gaddis is getting a lot of heat for his play calling, but when you look at some of these plays, Shea Patterson or whoever the quarterback is aren't making a lot of the right reads or the offensive line isn't blocking or, you know, whatever. So, yeah, at some point the players got to execute and the players have to step up and make plays. Now, Harbaugh still deserves criticism for everything for sure. that you laid out with some of those stats and records, but – you know, something that I think is funny, too, is seeing all this hate about, you know, like former players coming out and bashing the program, or even like Chris Spielman came out. He's not even a former Michigan <laughs> He's a former Buckeye saying this is, isn't what Michigan football is and, and all this stuff and talking about the history of Michigan football. And I think that's part of the problem is fans and some other people have like unrealistic expectations or memories of what Michigan football is. Michigan football is, I mean, what I'm a, I'm a diehard Michigan fan, but – Michigan football is traditionally an 8 to 10 or 11 win program and mixing in every once in a while like 97 or 2006 when they have a legit team and they run the table and obviously no 6 they ended up losing to Ohio State but you know traditionally Michigan is an 8 to 10 or 11 win program and that's where Harbaugh has them back to the difference is Michigan used to win the Big 10 championship a lot and Harbaugh hasn't done that and they used to beat Ohio State and Michigan State on a more consistent basis and obviously he's yet to do that. So when it comes to just wins, like Harbaugh has Michigan back to where they are. He just has to get over some of those humps that you laid out, Ted, when beating ranked teams on the road, beating top ten opponents, beating Ohio State is the big one. Because two of the years he's been there, he beats Ohio State, they probably win the Big Ten championship, and they're in the college football playoff. So, I mean, it's it's a lot easier. It's a hypothetical or whatever, but – it's a lot easier said than done beating Ohio State. But I, I just sometimes I laugh at when people act like this is a dumpster fire. Like this is Florida it's, State, it's a dumpster this fire. is Tennessee or whatever. It's like it's not as bad as some people make it out to be. Matt, when you when you are down thirty five to squat to Wisconsin, it's a dumpster fire. When you got Mason running the rock, it's a dumpster fire. When Josh Gaddis is calling plays for your team, it's a dumpster fire. He should have been fired right on the spot. I would be fine if we just fired Gaddis and Harbaugh cut plays the rest of the year. It's almost like this offense reminds me of like my powder puff football team <laughs> offense that I ran back in where I drew up like it was my first time, you know, being like offensive coordinator. I, I we had like 30 plays. And when it got to the game, pressure's on. Our team could not remember any of them. When in actuality, I should have just had like five plays that we could execute to perfection. That's what this Michigan team, it's like, it's almost like Harbaugh started running the spread and now we're like way too cute putting Ben Mason in at running back, running, like, pistol formation, uh, McCaffrey at slot, running screens them. Like, just get, like, ten plays. Like, dumb it down a little bit. You Like, yeah. you're saying that, like, Matt, you're saying, like, 
Shea Patterson is missing reads, I would say that Shea Patterson is a solid quarterback. If he's missing reads, it's because this offense is, like, way too sophisticated for what it needs to be. I mean, you're going against Wisconsin. If you have any sort of wide receivers who can run a fly route better than these crap corners from Wisconsin who are not good athletes, you should be able to put up points. Like, 35 to, to 14 is just a joke. 35 to 0, we really should not have even scored. I mean, who who you knows? Should, by, it's by the, I, it's I'm with you on everything you're saying, Jared. But you know, by the end of the year, this loss might not look that bad. Wisconsin might. I mean, right now they look like easily maybe the second best team in the Big Ten behind Ohio State. You know, by the end of the year, this loss might not look that bad if Ohio or if Wisconsin is in the discussion for a you know national championship. But but yeah, you you shouldn't be getting blown out like that. That that's not making any excuses. But. You know, like I, I remember back in 2016, two very similar situations happened. Michigan State was ranked number eight in the third game of their season. They got their doors blown off by Wisconsin, and they ended up, that was the year they ended up going three and nine. So that Wisconsin loss kind of started them down, down a bad path. Same year, 2016, Michigan blew the doors off of Penn State in the fourth game of the year, but Penn State went on a crazy run that year with Trace McSorley and Saquon Barkley, they ended up winning the Big Ten. So I kind of feel like Michigan's going to fall like in the middle. I don't think they're going to go 3-9. and nine. Right now it doesn't look like they're going to win the Big Ten championship. But, that, you know, how are they going to respond? I mean, you talked about it, Ted, like they don't have a bye week, but they've got Rutgers. This is a great game to go out there and make a statement, try and work some kinks out, I don't know, and don't struggle. <laughs> right. You go in there and struggle with Rutgers, and then you got Iowa next week. You you might be setting yourself up for a pretty bad season. Well, I think we broke this down pretty well. Any final thoughts, Jared? I know yes, I meant I have a lot more. Well, hold on a minute before you I do. Say, I, I've, I've definitely got one more too. <laughs> okay, but I was gonna say I, I forgot to bring it up when we had Reggie Walker on last time, and and you I don't know if you were doing it to stir him up, but when you made the comment about. Oh yeah, I mean that Penn State game. That's that's a nothing. We just blow by that. That that doesn't concern me at all. You, you really really meant that? <laughs> Pretty damn dumb, isn't it? Look at that. <laughs> Pretty damn dumb. That's what I'd say to that. Um, yeah, I meant that when I said it. Okay. I, how stupid. That's just like, I, and that was one of the, my main thoughts on Saturday. Why did we have such high expectations for this team? Like really, when you think about it, it's like we lost Devin Bush, we lost Chase Winovich, we lost Rashawn Gary. Why did we think this defense is going to be really good? Why did we I mean, really they, think this offense is going to be really good? It, it just – we set the expectations way too high for this team. Matt, you said it right. We're an eight-win program. That's what we are. We're in Nebraska. We're Wisconsin. That's where we should be. We're at Michigan State. There, I said it. Oh. Well, no, 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 no. Oh, I, I did not say that. Those are your words. I, I said like an 8-10 to 10 or 11 win. You know, you have the years that you go 8-4, and four, but then – Traditionally, Michigan would have those years where they won 10 or 11, and that's where Michigan is. Unfortunately, Jared doesn't remember too many of those. <laughs> right, right. That's true. He remembers the 5 and 7s and stuff like that. But, I mean, one, to me, I think you? coming into the year, the reason why there were high expectations was the new offensive coordinator who was supposed to you know, preaching speed and space. We've got a bunch of wide receivers that are probably going to be playing in the NFL, a senior quarterback coming back, a bunch of experienced offensive linemen. So, on paper, we were supposed to be excited, I guess. That, I just, it's it's the Michigan bump. We were, we were pretty darn stupid. And, and when I'm watching Notre Dame going to Georgia in a night game, kind of like the same name recognition brand, and Brian Kelly not nearly in the headlines as much as Jim Harbaugh is, if Michigan went into that game on Saturday, they probably would have lost by 60 points. And, and Notre Dame just put up a good fight. And I guess what I'm saying is, give me Brian Kelly over Jim Harbaugh any day of the week. 
Yeah, and the other thing I saw in that Notre Dame game, too, I'll give some props out to the Irish, that I'm not sure Michigan has it. Maybe they do, but I haven't seen it yet. Notre Dame looked like speed-wise they were keeping up with Georgia pretty well, and I'm not sure Michigan can uh, on on the speed. Yeah, that's what's crazy is because they were starting to recruit more speed. Right. And, yeah, I, there are times, I guess, that, you know, they run some plays where the speed is showcased, I guess, but it does just seem like Michigan's always a step behind or something, and that that was supposed to be fixed this year. So, mm-hmm. But then you trot Ben Mason out there. You know, whatever, Ben Mason, <laughs> very good football player. I'm not taking a knock, but when you're trotting him out <laughs> – to try and compete with Wisconsin and Jonathan Taylor, it's kind of like, okay, make a, what do you Make doing? a knock. Defensive lineman, Ben Mason, carrying the ball. Yeah. yeah you, <laughs> I, I forget if it was Jared or Ted. You mentioned uh, Notre Dame and Brian Kelly not being in the headlines as much as Michigan. I was going to ask you guys about, you know, like Michigan being in the headlines. I saw Mike Valenti, his Monday show, his opening monologue was obviously bashing Michigan. And he, he has said this before, I've seen him, but he really hammered at home that Michigan is just a regional program. And, you know, that's why they're not winning nationally. That's why they're not winning these big games on the road and against ranked opponents and all that stuff. He kept calling them a regional program. And I, I just I understand what he's trying to say, but I want to get your guys' thoughts. Like, do, do you see Michigan as a regional program? Because when I, I mean, working where I do and listening to all the shows and watching the TV shows that I do and stuff, Michigan is talked about leading every national radio show, national TV show, to the, whether they're good or bad. So, I, like I said, I get the point he's trying to make, but I, I don't see Michigan as a regional program at all. Uh, I don't think so either. I think as far as name recognition, uh, history of their football program, definitely national. Now, as far as being able to play at all consistently with the big boys, they're somewhere in between. Maybe not regional, but I don't think they're at that elite national level. That's my gut feeling. Yeah, yeah, not right now. For sure. I would say even if they are, I mean, a few more of these Wisconsin losses, they might not be there anymore. Right. I mean, I don't know how a recruit can watch that game and say, that would be fun to play there. That would be fun to literally get the ball shoved down our throat for four game, for four four quarters by Jonathan Taylor. And just this offense who can't find, who has two first downs in one half of football. That was, uh, it's just, it was so, I just, I can't get over how bad that was. Well, I do have to jump, I have to I jump in again, though. I mean, you know, yeah, this is all good podcast stuff. But Jonathan Taylor is one of the best backs in America. Wisconsin, year in and year out, have one of the best offensive lines. There was a lot of question marks going in this season. And, you know, I know you say, oh, it's hard to tell an offensive line. Well, these guys got it done. I mean, maybe part of that was Michigan's effort was not there because there were some giant holes that Taylor was running through. But he's he's legit, man. Oh, yeah, he's going to be in New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony anyway. Whether he wins it or not, who knows. But, yeah, he's one of the best in the country. You know know people don't know when an offensive line is good because all offseason all we heard is how good of an offensive line Michigan's going to have. True. And that just couldn't be further from the truth. Here's one quote from Don Brown that I just felt the need to share. Um, Don Brown said this during the bye week about Michigan's defense after facing two odd offenses. This is a little different now. We can finally play Michigan defense where we can go back and run our stuff that we that we run preseason and all spring practice. And quite frankly, I've been writing Wisconsin cards, and I've been kind of woohoo because I can whip them out like that because it's all the stuff our guys know and are comfortable with, and we'll jump into it at a high level without question. Yeah, this guy definitely has, like, Alzheimer's or something. <laughs> and who is he saying it to? 
Was that an that was that an interview with a newspaper? Yeah, that was a, it was a it was an interview. Wow, like a media. All right, well, boys, final thoughts on the Michigan debacle. Anything else? Are you guys gonna uh, like give me like a you told you told us so? Or? Not yet, not yet. Hopefully not. Hopefully we don't have to. Maybe they'll get it together, Jared. I'm optimistic. What you never know. <laughs> ha ha. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not punting on the season. Oh There's God, still a long way go. to go. Bigger picture, losing to Wisconsin doesn't like ruin the season goal. They can still make Indianapolis, and you know they're going to have to obviously improve a lot. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm not saying they're going to. I'm saying the goals are still there. But like, if you guys had to pick, like I, I, I mentioned the 2016 MSU went one direction, Penn State went the other. If you had to pick right now, do you think Michigan's going to trend more towards what Michigan State did or what Penn State did? Michigan State. Uh, Michigan State. Yep. <laughs> Yep. But <laughs> here's 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 what I see on the season that I'm just <laughs> I got to wait till the very end, but I would be satisfied at this point after seeing this start and where we're at today if Michigan finished 9 and 3 and beat Ohio State. Even with a loss to Michigan State, I would be happy with 9 and 3, well happy, satisfied. That's a better word. But, yeah. but they, you know, and, and you know, we could say, oh, there's no way in hell they'll beat Ohio State. But you never know. That last game of the year, you know, with all that's on the line, and uh, you know, they always play, usually play them pretty tough. But how about that, Jared? Would you be okay with that? No. Okay. I actually want them to lose to Ohio State because it, it would just be like that's classic Michigan. Like the one year, it doesn't matter if we beat Ohio State. Like we'll beat them. It always matters. It always matters. Against. No. It, Yes, and it does. You said that if we lost to Michigan State, you're still satisfied with that. Well, you remember, I'm not the Michigan State yeah, hater. I feel like if Michigan went nine and three, but beat Michigan State, lost Ohio State, so now not only did Harbaugh go nine and three again, but he's now zero and five versus Ohio State. That might be what gets Harbaugh on a very hot seat. Anyway, beat Ohio State this year while going nine and three. I think he's definitely back next year. Beat Ohio. Okay, first off, what a what must have took uh, some drugs or something. Beat Ohio State. Are you guys watching the same college football landscape that I am? Upsets happen. Upsets happen. (laughs) Be the upset of the century. (laughs) Maybe. That's what Bo did in uh, 1969. Exactly. Maybe we'll be back to playing bowl ball by then. Right, right. All right, all right. We know we're all pretty dissatisfied. I love you, Matt. I mean, you you stick with your team. That's pretty good. I'm. You know, it. My my biggest thing is I, and I'll finish. I guess on this is I can't believe that Harbaugh just forgot how to coach. Right. Obviously, it has not been pretty these first three games, and you know he brought in a new offensive coordinator, gave him the keys to the ship. You know, whatever. I just I can't believe that he he just has like completely lost control and like forgot how to coach. So I gotta feel like they're gonna turn around. I'm not saying they're gonna win rip off nine straight wins right now, but I got, I just got I can't think that he just forgot how to coach. Final thought, Jared. You know, you know what the uh, the definition of insanity is, Matt? It's doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. That's what you're hoping for with this with Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. It, well, he brought in a new offensive man. coordinator, so that's different. And he's probably there's a reason that Nick Saban let him go. We've learned from basically what we've seen at Maryland. Mike Loxley did everything that there was to do with that Alabama offense, and Josh Gaddis just rode the coattails and got himself. And Jim Harbaugh fell, fell for it, hook, line, and sinker. Fell for that guy who wasn't doing anything at Alabama, and now he's here, just ruining this offense. Oh, I got one thought. He should have woke up. He should have woke up with a horse in his head on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> he should be gone. Well, you That's know, you, the you, way to look at this. You're, you're saying be gone now, but I don't think it is unrealistic if they don't turn it around. I think, you know, even eight wins. I think Harbaugh comes back. He'll probably be on the hot seat, though. But 
Gaddis might be sacrificed. We agree on that. If they don't turn the it offense, around, if the offense keeps going like this, and yeah, say they go eight and four, yeah, it might be a one-year deal with him. <laughs> exactly, and what Jared's points were right there, that could be part of the reason. All right, we're hey, we're going to talk so, a little real quick. He Gaddis was on that 2016 Penn State uh, offensive staff, who was part of that team, that Penn State team that turned around. So, hope's not all lost. Okay, he's got the resume there for sure. All right, we'll try to do a little equal opportunity with some Michigan State talk. We'll get our Spartan insider, Joey Janka, on with us here next. But first, just listen to this about Advanced Elevator Company. They feature top expert field technicians for installation, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators. Definitely an area business leader and longtime supporter of the Corona Public Schools and a proud partner of Three Point Podcast. The CoronaConnection.com knows it's great to be gold. Keep up to date on all that is Corona at CoronaConnection.com. All right, we broke down the Wolverines as only the three of us can do, but we have our Spartan insider up next, Joe Janka, to talk about the the Spartans. It's kind of ironic, you know, we're we're in opposite spots about a week apart from each other because I know last week in that Spartan loss to Arizona State, you had to be scratching your head and going, what the hell's going on? But they turned it around and had a pretty impressive win this week, didn't they? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, um, you know, Northwestern seems to be a team that usually gives State some problems, and especially in recent years, it seems like they have their offense, for whatever reason, um, has found, uh, I don't know if I want to say glitches, but uh, holes in State's defense that's usually able to shut down a lot of other schools. So um, getting out of Evanston with a win and a win, uh, you know, by 21 points, I think was a solid weekend for State. Now, is Northwestern actually any good? Because they did lose to Stanford by 10. <laughs> well, I, I've heard from other sources, other podcasts I listen to, that they have a Heisman candidate quarterback that's a Clemson transfer. Um, but uh, joking, joking, uh, Jared. But, uh, no, I, I mean, I don't think Northwestern's as strong as they maybe were last year. But um, compared to the way State played and they are actually finishing drives against Northwestern, whereas against Arizona State, they were getting in the red zone, missing field goals, not finishing drives off. I think it was a you know a work or a, a week in the right direction for their offense, if you want to say that. Yeah, I definitely think this is a very down year for Northwestern, and this isn't taking a shot at Michigan State because, like you said, anytime you go into Evanston or really just play Northwestern anywhere, they, Pat Fitzgerald usually has his guys ready to go. It's always a tough win. They had beaten Michigan State three straight years. So, I mean, that's a big win for Michigan State. Northwestern's offense is ranked 125 out of 130 in college football, though, so their their offense is not very good at all. But whatever, a, a win is a win, and Michigan State got their offense rolling. So what do you think about Michigan State's offense? Week one, you know, kind of a little iffy. Week two, looked good, putting up a ton of points against Western. Week three, not so good against Arizona State. And then now, what, 31 points against Northwestern. Which version of Michigan State's offense is you know, what we're going to see, in your opinion. The first thing I think we need to see is some consistency. I mean, and, and I, I will say they do look better than they did last year. I'm not saying they're good, and I, I came into the season saying they're going to have a dominant defense. If they can just be average offensively, they'll be in game. you just got to capitalize on your opportunities. And it seems like they're closer to that average offense than they are towards last year's, like, literally third-worst offense in the NCAA. So, but I, I need to see the consistency. I need them to be consistently finishing drives, uh, take, taking advantage of opportunities, and then letting their defense uh, go. You know, and I, I think Indiana, it's, a, it's kind of another step. They're, they're better than Northwestern, and don't get me wrong, they're not a great team. But I've, I think if they can come out again and finish some drives, 
put up 30 points again, I think these guys will start to get a little bit more confidence and then maybe, maybe have a chance in some of their bigger games later in the year. As a, as a Michigan State fan, did it hurt that Mark Antonio had to win his Duffy Doherty beating, winning his coach in Michigan State history game on the road? And do you think that it, your program is kind of not that great because your previous most winningest coach was named Duffy? <laughs> well, I, um, honestly, I, I don't think Mark really cared. I, I mean, really, he probably wanted to win it a week prior, um, and obviously that didn't work out um, for us Spartans. But uh, I think Duffy's a pretty cool name. I mean, I, I, I don't know if it's, you know, the coolest football name out there, but uh, I was just, I'm just hoping that Mark D'Antonio doesn't turn into the late years of Duffy Doherty, which I know this is before my time, but I've heard a lot of stories or rumblings in the Spartan and East Lansing here about how the late years for Duffy Doherty, who's a legendary coach in Michigan history, you know, it was kind of like he was stuck in the past, didn't want to make updates to the program, and I'm just hoping Mark doesn't relive that kind of tarnished past that Duffy had to um, back in the early 70s. Um, Ted might have more experience with that, but uh, I'm just happy he, he is the Say best coach. In- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do remember, and unfortunately for the people here in, in the Owasso area, some of those years were, were when Brad Van Pelt played for the Spartans and Duffy. Well, to be fair, I, I don't know, just hearing you describe that, and I've heard that too about Duffy, is that not some of the criticism that Mark D'Antonio got with some of the quote-unquote changes he made on his coaching staff this offseason? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and candidly, I, I'd be one of the critics as well. I think one of his downfalls is going to be ultimately trusting his, I, I want to say it's like a country club mentality where he's protecting his buddies and he doesn't want to make the hard decisions, which who knows? I mean, he could still make a run this year. I truly think he can. But I think in the long run, he's got to evolve and real programs that truly if your goal is to win national titles not just compete for the big 10 but national titles i think you got to go out and, and pay and get a real offensive mind in the building I and mean, I, I don't know if mark's willing to do that especially since he doesn't want to um, move on from his i say friends but coaches that have been around him for a while um that obviously aren't elite right yeah well joe janka our spartan insider and uh, joe break it down this way we're a third of the way into the season where do you see the Spartans' strengths? What do they need to do to, to improve uh, to try and make that run? Yeah, I just, you know, obviously they got to stay healthy, and especially on the defensive side of the ball. I think their, their strongest part of their defense is their defensive line and especially their defensive interior with the Panashuk brothers, Raekwon Williams and Kenny Wilkis, and then Joe Bocci behind them. I think their front seven, they're going to be able to uh, stop a lot of teams from, you know, running the ball at will. Um, and I think their secondary is a little bit better than people even – thought, uh, especially with Xavier Henderson and then Josh Butler, a couple guys that don't have as much experience that are filling in for some good Spartans last year and Kyrie Willis and uh, um, Justin Lane, but uh, we'll see. I mean, I don't think we're going to really truly know how good this team is until they go to Columbus in two weeks, so we'll see, but you know, if they give Ohio State a game, I think this could be a great year, but we'll see, and obviously they just need to keep improving on offense, finishing drives, and like I said, they can just stay in the middle of the pack, like is in the country overall offensively. I think they could win 9-10 games. I really do. Yeah, after this week, they go into a pretty brutal part of their schedule, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, what they go at, at Ohio State, at Wisconsin, home, Penn State, right. Illinois, and then Michigan. So, right, that. <laughs> I mean, not saying that that Michigan game right now looks all that tough, but, I mean, that that's a tough stretch, but that's what Mark D'Antonio has done. I mean, we, we talked about Harbaugh, and everyone's been talking about Harbaugh not being able to beat ranked opponents on the road. You've got at Ohio State, at Wisconsin, in back-to-back weeks, 
Uh, there's a side to me that feels like D'Antonio is going to be able to figure one of those out because that's what he's done his whole career at Michigan State, right? Right, I, I, I have to agree, and I think especially in recent years, probably uh, post you know that Rose Bowl team, they seem like to be a very volatile team. They'll, they'll go out and lose a game to Northwestern and then follow up with it and beat Penn State on the road. So I'd have to agree. I mean, I think it's going to be really, really tough to run the table because just Ohio State and Wisconsin look great right now. But I don't think anybody would be shocked if he pulled off one of those two. And then the Michigan game, it's a rivalry. And who knows where either team will be at that point that's later in the year. But, again, I wouldn't be shocked to see Mark pull out a couple of those wins against teams that might be more talented. But it just seems like throughout his career he's always got one win on the season that's like, wow, how did they win that game? So, We'll see. I, I hope they do, obviously. We'll circle it back around to Michigan State, but let's address the elephant in the room. Uh, the floor is yours. Feel free to dance on Michigan's grave. What the hell is going on with them? <laughs> and how happy were not, you to see that loss? <laughs> I, I'm not dancing on graves yet. I'm not dancing on graves. I, uh, I you know, I'd, I'd be lying to you if I didn't, uh, you know, like watching Harbaugh look disgruntled, like he didn't even know, you know, what to say uh, on the sideline or. You know, I, I do think he just is acting a little bit differently this year. I think last year there was a lot more of, like, tantrum-esque. Now he just seems like more, I don't know, mild-mannered in a way, which I don't know if that's playing into this at all. But Whiny. But countless times State's been, um, you know, handed, uh, handed themselves on the road before and they've came back and turned their season around. So I'm not going to, you know, say the season's completely over for Michigan. I, I just think that um, they, they're missing some guys off that defense last year that um, people were just going to assume they were just going to be able to plug and play and fill. And obviously with giving up 354 yard, rushing yards to Wisconsin, um, you can't replace the Chase Winoviches, the Rashawn Garys, the Devin Bushes of the world as easily as they thought. And I think um, the, the lack of depth of their defensive interior is going to really hurt them You know, until they get either healthy or figure out something because Obviously, throwing Ben Mason out there isn't getting it done. Um, but I, I think everybody would say if they had that same defense from last year into Wisconsin, they would have had a much better shot because they weren't giving up 300 rushing yards. Heck, they might have not given up 100. But we'll see. I'm not going to throw in the towel on either of the teams yet. Um, but it, I, I'd be lying to you if I didn't say it was it was fun watching that Michigan game this weekend. <laughs> as a Spartan guy, too, are you, uh, are you thinking Michigan keep Harbaugh as long as you want him? I, I wouldn't go that far. I really wouldn't. I, I do think their program's in a better spot right now than it was, obviously, with Hoke and uh, Rich Rod, obviously. I, I just, I mean, I could rant about this uh, for a long time, but really, if you go through the history of Michigan football, like even back to the Bo days, I mean, he's not that far off to Bo Schembechler, Beckler days at Michigan. I mean, uh, you know, back when it was the big two and the little eight. I mean, really, he, he's just not beating Ohio State. But he's really one game a year every year from being exactly what Bo was. I mean, back in the '80s and even the seven or some of the '70s, Bo was winning a lot of games, and he was consistently, or I wouldn't say consistently, but beating Bo a lot or Ohio State a lot. But he wasn't winning national titles. Right. Really, they, these Michigan teams are one win away from doing exactly that: competing for the Big Ten, beating Ohio State, and they still probably aren't Alabama or Clemson, but they're one game away from being, you know, that second tier, if that makes sense. Hey. You know what? Maybe these guys, maybe Ted and Jared, hearing it from a different voice, they'll actually believe me. I've been saying that for the last couple of weeks. 
And, you know, maybe hearing it from you, they'll actually put some merit into it. Boy, it didn't take so, you so long to jump on that. that. Bo Schembechler is rolling over in his grave after watching that Wisconsin game. You can, <laughs> nothing would ever convince me otherwise. He's rolling I, over. And, and I don't, I don't want to, like, I don't want to take that as, like, a negative shot at, like, Bo. It's just Michigan has had really one national title since 1948. I mean, it's not like they were Alabama in the 80s. And really, really, the knock is that they've had a half of a national championship since 1948 because they they were co-national champions in 97. So, I mean, that's what I've said before. As as big of a Michigan fan as I am, sometimes Michigan fans, yes, they're the all-time winningest program. They've got the big house. You know, they've got all this stuff going for them. They've got the winged helmet that everyone, you know, they talk about the storied program in Michigan. But, right, sometimes you've got to take a step back and be, like you just said, traditionally they've been an 8-10 to win program, and that's where Harbaugh has them. Just has to get over the Ohio State home. Absolutely. Like I said earlier, you got to beat Michigan State at least half the time, and you for sure have to figure out a way to beat Ohio State half the time. I think Justin Fields at Ohio State, uh, the fact that, uh, you know, with Haskins, he was much more of a passer, and JT Barrett, he was much more of a runner. I think with Fields there, they might have found their ideal quarterback because the dude can do both. And I know Ohio State traditionally it always smokes teams earlier in the year, but. That Cincinnati team that they just completely smacked, that was not a bad Cincinnati team. And I, I just, that I'm, that game, I, I don't know how anybody's going to beat them, candidly, other than Clemson or the Alabamas of the world. That That's a legit Ohio State team. So this year it might be tough. <laughs> no, I mean, C- Cincinnati's defense is ranked number 18 in the country, and Ohio State made them look like a JV team. So, yeah, right right now, anyway, I'm, I'm honestly really curious to see what your boys do against Ohio State because that's going to be obviously their first real, legit, big conference test against Antonio. So, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll be curious to see what the Spartans do against Ohio State. Yeah, I'll be hoping, but I, I, so other than, well, Urban Meyer's gone, but I, I think if you're going to bet on one coach in the Big Ten to have that surprise victory that nobody's calling and comes from left field, I think Antonio would be the guy I'd pick, right? And of the Big Ten coaches, at least. It'd be hard not to. Right. So uh, we'll see. But right now, I think, especially Arizona State, I, I'm not getting ahead of myself. we got to beat Indiana first. And Indiana, you know, speaking of Ohio State, spanked them, but that doesn't mean Indiana can't come in here and give us a game. I mean, State's got to finish drives and win this week, and then we'll focus on Ohio State. All right. Any other questions for our Spartan guy, Joe Janka? Yeah, just one more from me. Um, if Michigan State and Michigan play tomorrow, how do you see the game going? I think it'd be really, really ugly, and it would come down to like a last-second field goal or something of that nature. I think uh, and, and right now one thing State has done well, and I'll give Lewerke credit, is they haven't turned the ball over, and Michigan obviously has. So I, I feel like if they played tomorrow, Michigan might have a – turnover or two that State would capitalize off that mistake and it would be but still a close game but I think right now State hasn't made as many mistakes as Michigan has so if they played tomorrow I, I could foresee a close game but Michigan would do something to hurt themselves and State would win. Are you trying to take a, a trouble with the snapshot at Michigan right now? <laughs> you trying to bring oh, that back I, up? I'm more, I'm more they put their defensive tackle in at fullback <laughs> inside the 20. <laughs> he hasn't carried the ball in a year. <laughs> all, oh, you didn't know? We run the Madden offense is the new offense about to take over college football. That's right. Hey, we all, we got to set the record straight here periodically, too. And I know, uh, Jared, didn't you, didn't you say on this podcast that for sure Spartans were going to lose to Northwestern? No, if you remember right, I said um, between Arizona State and Northwestern game, I would not be surprised if they lost both of them, but for sure they were going to lose one of them. Okay. So nice try trying to put words in my mouth. All right. All right. I just wanted to double check. And they did. 
Okay. All right. Hey, Joe, uh, real good stuff there, man. We we always like to get at least the other side of the coin. Most people know we're, we're pretty pro-Michigan, so it's good to hear a Spartan and get it broke down uh, the way it needs to be. So thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on, and uh, look forward to catching up with you guys in the future, and go green. All right. That's our Spartan Insider, Joe Janka, and we'll be back and talk a little Lions football right after this. Go online at SheridanAuctionService.com for information on their great upcoming auctions. The auction house is packed with all kinds of great items. Stay up to date by checking their website at SheridanAuctionService.com. Sign up for email notifications or call Troy Crow at 989-720-SELL for other details. And also, Rivals Tap House and Grill. That is our official sports bar. They were a big part of the Corona Hall of Fame weekend last weekend. And uh, every Thursday night, still bike night as the weather is still pretty decent out there. And don't forget the first of the month party, $5 burgers and chicken sandwich baskets and dollar bottle beer. Awesome food and drink specials. That's Rivals Tap House and Grill in Corona. All right, guys, uh, you know, I don't know if I am back on the Kool-Aid, but uh, I got the packet out of the cupboard. I haven't ripped it open yet, but uh, unbelievably, the Lions are finding ways to win. It's, it's hilarious how when you th- that just shows like a generational gap. When you think of Kool-Aid, you think of like the, <laughs> the mix. I think of just like a juice pouch. Okay, yeah, because I don't even know what that is. <laughs> you don't know what a juice pouch is? Is that a Kool-Aid yeah, juice like pouch? A, like a Capri Sun. Oh, that's not Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid's a brand. I know, but there's Kool-Aid juice pop. Uh, whatever. Okay. Uh, All right. Maybe that's just the millennials where we don't like to make like make our own food. We just have to buy it prepackaged. No, I get it. I get it. It's just uh, not Kool-Aid. The Lions, Lions look pretty good. I mean, we're going to find out for real like what they are against the Kansas City Chiefs next week. But my biggest takeaway, have you ever seen a team drop more passes than the Philadelphia Eagles did? <laughs> no, that was pretty I bad. Mean, it was kind of... And they still put up 24 points. So that makes me nervous going into next week, knowing that they put still put up 24 points, dropping a million balls, and now we got to go against Patrick Mahomes and, and the Kansas City Chiefs. And Slay's like, put up 40. Yeah, Slay's injured too, right? It's uh, you know, it's 50-50 if he's playing. Yeah, yeah. If Slay doesn't play against Patrick Mahomes, that that could get ugly quick. But you know, yeah, we talked about it last week that the Chargers kind of gave the game away in in a sense that the Lions usually do. Yeah, Lions so, right, style. to your point, Jared, it seems like the Eagles kind of lioned that game away, you know, with all the drops and everything. But what it comes down to is they're 2-0-1. You know, you got to throw that tie in. And I, I've told people before, like, I work with a bunch of Eagles fans, and they were like, yeah, we gave that game away or whatever. I'm like, hey, man, I am a Lions fan. I will take any win <laughs> we can get. I'm not sitting here buying Super Bowl tickets and, you know, getting excited like that. But any time the Lions can pick up a W, I will take it. A road win in Philly, no less. I mean, yeah, exactly. the receivers were banged up. That's part of the reason they had drops, because they had their backups in there, for God's sakes. But but still, you got to take it, man. And I will say this also, what I've, what I've noticed in the Lions, at least to this point, even though they gave up 24 points, I thought their defense played pretty solid, and they came up pretty big down the stretch. Their defense yeah. played well, and I saw some stats that – like statistically or whatever because of completion percentage and stuff like that. Their secondary is ranked like up at the top of the league. So their secondary is playing well. Again, they're going up against the Chiefs this weekend, so we'll really yeah. see what they're all about, especially if Slay doesn't play. But, right, I, I mean, I think the defense is playing well. They're putting pressure on the quarterback, and, you know, they played a couple pretty good offenses already. So, I, I mean, the offense hasn't done like – hasn't like blown it up or whatever. Stafford's playing pretty well. So I guess – it's kind of like hard to not get too excited because the Lions are 
one of the remaining undefeated teams left in the league, but you know, I can't get too excited yet, I guess. I would have loved to watch this game a lot closer than I did, but while I was watching it at home, you know, I was home for the golf outing, and all my brothers wanted to do was watch Netflix during the game. Oh. So they kept trying, kept arguing with me and my dad. You know, we want to watch Netflix. What happened to America? <laughs> like, what's your hypothesis there, Ted? What's going on here? That's got to be a millennial thing. I don't know. I mean, maybe they don't like the Lions like we do, but I can't even imagine. I schedule my weekends around Michigan football and Lions football. No matter how bad or good they are, I'm watching the Lions. Netflix, you can watch anytime. I haven't stopped shaking my head. Since I heard what you just said, Jared. (laughs) You said your brothers wanted to watch Netflix during the Lions? Yes, Anthony Bourdain, Parts Unknown. And I love that show, but Uh, it's like, just let me watch my football. Yeah, I mean, once maybe all this concussion CTE stuff is really (laughs) starting to change the game. People are wanting to watch Anthony Bourdain instead of the Lions. A a guy that had some serious problems and killed himself. I mean, my goodness. (laughs) I I mean, it just shows you where is football going to be in 30 years. I mean, we got guys like Ted who literally – create their own personal like weekend schedule which is basically just the michigan michigan state and detroit lion like football schedule and that's like what his schedule looks like for, for the whole football season yeah there's probably not many around like me anymore is there no tends to just rub dirt on it get back out there your bell was wrong who cares generation uh, my, i'm kind of in the middle and jared you're you're of the generation people are not playing football and watching netflix instead hmm. but you, you know what might get them intrigued antonio brown do, do we even dare say, should we sign this guy? Because I feel like if we signed him, Super Bowl contenders in the snap of a finger, and he's going to be taking classes at Central Michigan. Yes, they're online. But in spirit, he's going to be in Michigan again. It's a, it's an easy fit. Slide him right in. Hey, obviously, he is just a ridiculous talent. Uh, and I, like the personal stuff aside, I just I wouldn't want them to even mess with it. I don't know, mess up the flow of the offense. The one trade that I wouldn't be mad if they made Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey, the Jaguars cornerback, wants out. If they could somehow figure out a way to bring him in, I wouldn't be mad at that. But I don't know about Antonio Brown. Is there anyone that's more naive than Jalen Ramsey? Because that's what I think we're referencing the same thing here, where he saw like people are tweeting like photoshops of him in a Lions jersey, <laughs> and he's liking it. Who in the right mind? would want to go to the Lions. I don't care if they're undefeated at the point when you say you want to go there. That's a death sentence. Yeah, he you, might if you kind of have your pick of places to go, I, as big of a Lions fan I am, I don't know if the Lions should be top on your list. Top, like, 25. Yeah, but the but the situation, situation is, though, he'd be traded, right? So he really wouldn't have a right. say in the matter, and I don't know what his contract length is. Would he be there for at least a couple years? Probably, yeah. So maybe he wants to play with Darius Slay or something. Never know. We would have one of the best cornerback just crews. Uh, with him, Slay, and, and Coleman, it, it would just be dynamic. I would love that. It's Coleman, right? Right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Okay. Coleman, yeah he's yeah. been playing really well this year. Yeah. Like, Well, like Matt said, their, their, their stats right now are right up there, and I guess we're going to learn – against Kansas City. Now, I will say this. If they somehow beat Kansas City, it is a home game. If they can shut Mahomes down or just win by a point, I don't care. I'm going out to my nearest store and buy me a juice box. I'm going to do it right then. (laughs) Remember, I I hate to do this to you, Ted, because I would love to see you go get a a Kool-Aid juice box if they beat beat the Chiefs. But the Lions did beat the Patriots at home last year. Yes, they did. So... Uh, they they were zero and two though when they beat the Patriots, so that was a little different. But 
Now, if they shut Mahomes down, because everyone's acting like Mahomes is the greatest quarterback we've ever seen, basically, and him is absolutely ridiculous. But if they can somehow win that game against the Chiefs, then it might be time to start saying maybe this team is finally going to win a playoff game or something. I don't know. Well, would you say right now Mahomes is probably the, the guy right behind Tom Brady? It's I would still, say it this year. It's yeah. tough for me to put him ahead of uh, Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees. Okay. I know, like, you know, they're just starting to get up there in age, and the numbers Mahomes is putting up is just, like, absolutely ridiculous. But, hey, it's tough for me. Like, if you said, like, you want one quarterback right now to win you a game or, you know, something like that, it would be tough for me to take him over Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees. That's fair. Would you guys rather Michigan, 8-3 uh, and three Michigan team, beat Ohio State at the end of the year? Or for Michigan to, or for Detroit to win this game against Kansas City this weekend. That's a no-brainer. Kansas City for me. No <laughs> way. Ohio State, Ohio and State, Ohio three, State. So you want to go nine okay. and three? Yeah, I mean, you you got to beat Ohio some State. Some Lions fan you are. <laughs> I did say I was joking with some friends after the after the Lions beat the Eagles, and I was like, are, are, "Is this really about to happen? Are the Lions about to win a playoff game before Harbaugh wins a Big Ten championship with Michigan?" <laughs> You never know. I mean, again, the Kool Aid is not not out yet. They you know, they could get drilled by Kansas City at home and go on a losing streak. But there's some, there's just something I'm starting to see on this team a little bit that they're they're believing in each other, you know. And they've they've kind of simplified things a little bit. And uh, I don't know. I'm I'm feeling right now, obviously, after that win last week, as ugly as it was, it was a win, and feeling a little bit a little bit more optimistic. So I'm gonna I'm gonna. Recall something here. After the tie against Arizona, you you and uh, Jared were kind of ripping me, and you guys were saying you're already punting on the Lions. Oh, I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm still, you're bringing really the punt back or what? Well, the punt, I'm not bringing the punt back yet, but <laughs> I'm not quite as hardcore. I have to admit that. You you got me there, and I knew that was going to come back if they, <laughs> if they went on any kind of win streak. <laughs> it dep- you know, it all depends on when we record this darn thing. You know, if if we did it Sunday night after that debacle, you know how it was going to be. Here we are Wednesday night recording this. Get a little time to to kind of mellow out just a bit. Yeah. Talk, Matt, talk about having. Um, hey, you knew when to capitalize on that. Like th- three weeks out, you got us because yep. you know in like five weeks you're gonna you're gonna be the Lions are gonna be three and five, and you're gonna be like these guys. These guys are right. <laughs> oh yeah, I, so, I was gonna hey, wait till midseason when they're yeah, like you said, three and six or three and seven. You gotta I'm gonna, get your I'm shots wait in till right now. They're they're undefeated. Yeah, you gotta get your shots in when you can on this podcast. Nope. <laughs> 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 or is there anything else we need to get into on the Lions NFL? Ted, who do you think between you and Ant- Ant- Antonio Brown? Oh, who boy. was who was the better Central Michigan student? <laughs> that could be close. I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't that bad a student. I thought you were going to throw some athletic stuff in there. I'm not sure. We'd have to we'd have to look up his GPA. Mine was like two nine, not the best, but it was okay. Hey, that's solid for college. Yeah. I'll get you a degree. Yeah, that's that's all it would have mattered if I'd have stuck it out. We'll see. I mean, it's pretty crazy. To, I know he's taking online classes, but I like to imagine that Antonio Brown's going to be walking through, <laughs> you know, Central Michigan's campus in Mount Pleasant with a, with a book bag on his shoulder and books in his hand. And stop it. <laughs> Stop what it at the wayside. Mean, what a picture that would be. Stop it at the wayside on Thursdays and Fridays. Just a college student. Just the thing that made life. me laugh about that was, I know he started his college career at Central Michigan, but he's only doing online classes. Like, his credits would have transferred somewhere else, and he could have done online classes anywhere. Why did he choose to go back to Central Michigan? 
for online classes. Well, if his class is transferred any L, it wouldn't it, doesn't he have to get the credits there for a CMU degree? Maybe that's what he wants. I mean, you can you can transfer your credits <laughs> anywhere you degree. want. You know, some schools might not take them all. So right. Happening, I don't but, know. Yeah, you could you can really bounce around wherever you want and transfer your credits. One thing I did that, notice, he's taking twelve credits. Wow. That's not that's not that much. That's pretty solid, though, isn't it? That's that's the minimum to be considered a full time. So maybe is he getting financial aid? (laughs) He might be. All I'm saying is, twelve credits is not a full college. I'm taking more credits than Antonio Brown. Right. Think about that. Well, like Matt said, though, twelve credits is considered full time student, right? Yeah. Yep. It might be minimum, but that's like a joke. That's like. Well, it is a joke. I mean, break it down realistically. What you what do you think's going on? In his mind, what what is going on in the world of AB? I mean, he said, you know, he had the whole helmet thing. He was going to quit football because of the helmet, and then he comes back and then he gets traded. You know, all that stuff happens, and then now he says he's done with football and he's going back to school. So I don't know. Is he like trying to prove he's getting his head on straight, and then next off season he's going to try and make a comeback or whatever? Right. But who knows what what really has gone on with this whole sexual assault stuff too? You know, I mean. Yeah. If he had have just continued on with the Raiders, he's getting thirty million dollars. He signs with the Patriots; they cut his ass loose. I mean, uh, there's there's some wacky stuff going on. Yeah, he lost a lot of guaranteed money. Sure did all, all the movement he did. But I saw not not to like turn this serious, but like it, it is something to think about. Like I, uh, Dan Levitard was talking about it after he got released by the Patriots on on his radio show, and he Antonio Brown grew up in Miami. Um, he he had a, a really rough childhood, I guess. They were homeless at one point. Just you know, just a really rough childhood. And Levitard basically asked the question. He said, like, do you think he ever was actually taught, like, as a child growing up through high school and everything, just taught like standard general human decency, like how to act as a human? Because like sometimes you know, and then he's he's this crazy talented football player. He's probably given the world as a football recruit in high school and then college. And now he's a millionaire and stuff. Like sometimes you have to wonder if like, you just, you know, some of these guys were just never taught basic manners and how to act as a, as an adult, you know? Oh, that's a dead on point. Dead on. Yeah. I I mean, all I could say is if, if, if these allegations are true against him, it would be pretty apparent that he was not taught manners because it's some weird stuff that he was doing. Yeah. yeah, and that's yeah, as far as we should probably weird. get into on this podcast, but no. it was some weird stuff. Well, we'll took, keep an eye on that. And then f- before we wrap up the show, Jared, did you want to get into anything on uh, entertainment news? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to throw out one little show that's actually airing tonight. Ted, I think you're going to want to set your DVR to this one. This okay. is right up Ted's alley. Crank Yankers, the Adam Carolla, Jimmy Kimmel show where they prank call people as puppets. And it sounds stupid, but it's returning to Comedy Central tonight at 930. And I love that show and I love Adam Carolla. So, so I have to ask, though, did you it. watch it back when it first came out? Because that was I was fairly young when Crank. I think I might have been high school when Crank Anchors first came out. So did, have you watched the originals? No, I mean I've just been able to watch them on YouTube. It's okay. the only place yeah. I've been able to watch. That I, makes yeah, sense. It was, and I'm right. With, believe it or not, Jared, I'm I'm well aware of it. Um, I didn't. I, I wrote it down. I'm gonna DVR it for sure. But uh, uh, Crank Anchors is just basically like crank calls with those puppets. It's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Different, different uh, celebrity voices along with Adam Carolla, right? Yeah. Not, yeah. Nothing makes me laugh more, or nothing made me laugh more as like, and I don't know how about you, Ted. Was prank calling a thing when you were a kid? Oh yeah, but that was real corny stuff. Like, uh, you got Prince Albert in a can, or is your refrigerator running? You know, stupid stuff like that. <laughs> there was yeah. one, uh, one of my friends. So one of my buddies was like really fat, 
So we and he lived on a farm, and we call and we called his mom and we said <laughs> our prize cow. Uh, and then we said his name is like missing, like <laughs> 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 pretty dumb, but as a 10 year old, that was the funniest thing I've ever heard. That's pretty funny. I'll, I'll add one more thing. I didn't really come prepared, but speaking of tonight, one of my favorite shows returns on FXX and that's uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. You guys ever tune into that? Yeah, I, I mean, I've seen the first few seasons. It kind of tailed off to me a little bit. Okay, well, I, I'm sticking with it. I love the crew, and I'll be checking that out tonight a little later on. All right, yeah, I, think, I love that show. Can't beat that show. It's a good one. It is a good one. Well, I think we got a pod, boys. We did it again. How about that? 88 in the books. 88 in the books. I was going to add real quick a, a prank call that we used to do. Do you guys remember the Owasso Taco House? Yep. Over there on the east side? Still there. We used to call. They, they would deliver. So we would call uh, the taco house and order like $50 worth of tacos, <laughs> deliver it to our friend's house and not tell him. <laughs> now, that, that, now, in my book, that's a step too far. That's a, that's a, there's a victim in that crime. Like prank calls are a victimless crime, but there's a victim there, whether it's the business or your buddy who has to pay for it. Yeah, you're right. Did your buddy have to pay for it? No way. I feel, I feel like they like turned him away, and you know whoever got the tacos, I don't know. But yeah, you covered it well there, Jared. Because yeah, the one that paid was the business. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the customer had to answer the door, but the business ate the cost. Oh, then here's what I just got to throw this out there. Um, so my when we were in high school, my brother used to call. We would go through and like people, kids we played against. In football, like, they would have their highlight tape, and then they would put their email and, like, their phone number at the end of their highlight tape. Right. And we would call them as, like, college coaches. (laughs) How much we love their film. (laughs) And maybe we would impersonate uh, guys who have been on this podcast at colleges, so, (laughs) to try to get them to come down to uh, the local school. Now, did they they bite it? Did did, did they fall for it? Yes. And, I, I, I mean... They were. They bought a hook, line, and sinker. There's no other way to put it. They they loved it. They thought for sure they were, they were going to get a full ride scholarship right then and there. Nothing but yep. hijinks. Just memories. Yep. yep. All right, guys. Let's call it a pod. That'll do it for now. Everybody out there listening, subscribe, rate us on all the big podcasting sites, including Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, all the others. Follow and comment to us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Three Point Pod. Make sure you support our Three Point Podcast partners: Main Street Pizza, Advanced Elevator, Sheridan Realty and Auction Company, Rivals Tap House and Grill, The Corona Connection, Card Service Michiana, and Promac Engineering. Also, we want to say big thanks to our Spartan Insider Joe Janka for breaking it down for us with the green and white and definitely make sure you check out our friends at sports radio detroit for their great variety of programming by the way i saw a post by them today they're already throwing out candidates to replace harbaugh yeah, a little too soon also uh check out the great variety of programming on z92.5 the castle another one of our partners this has been a three-point podcast production with special thanks to sportsnet michigan and wjsz radio thanks again for listening to and supporting three-point podcast Have a list of people that we would take a bullet for them, a bullet for you, a bullet for everybody in this room. But they don't seem to see many bullets coming through. See many bullets coming through. Metaphorically, I'm the man, but literally, I don't know what I do. I live for you, and that's hard to do. Even harder to say when you know it's not true. Even harder to write when you know that tonight there will be people back home and try talking to you, but then you ignore them still. All these questions, they're for real. Like, who would you live for? Who would you die for? And would you ever kill? Oh, 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 o
I've been thinking too much. 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 I